Hello, welcome to the Film Obsessed Couple. I'm Shelley. And I'm Scott. If you're a new listener here, we appreciate you choosing us to listen to. We also appreciate our longtime listeners as well. Scott and I are a married couple obsessed about movies. Scott is more analytical, while I'm a little more open-minded. We're unscripted and unfiltered, which means things might get a little crazy. And they have. Yeah. (laughs) Before. So you better buckle up. Yes. Yes, especially for today, because we're doing Deadfall. Yeah. Insane. Before we start talking about the movie, I guess we should go over maybe why we have missed another week. Yeah, you know, we we really apologize, because... We want to do it every other week. Yeah. Um, but shit happens. Yeah. So Friday night, like what, a week ago at this point? Yeah, last week. Um, I was going to get dinner. We usually eat, like we've said before, I'm sure. I eat Chinese every Friday night. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was going to get it, and the garage door started messing up. Which isn't a normal it's not an abnormal thing. It happens now and then. Yeah, because it's very old. We found out after the fact that it was like probably put in in 1994. Yeah. So basically, is one of the tension wires that holds the door and pulls it up with the springs came loose. Mm. And we were like, oh, well, we couldn't get it to stay, so we just call somebody. We're sure they'll be able to fix it. And it turns out ours is so old that they don't even make how ours is set up anymore. <laughs> of course. They're like, we don't use those types of springs and... They were like, so the options are you can, we can do a conversion, which would just put the new springs in, and that doesn't give you a new door, but if that goes out, then you'll have to end up getting a whole new system anyway, or you can get a whole new system, and a motor if you need it. Playing the game, man, you know? Yeah. It's like, oh, you're either screwed this way, or you're screwed that way. Yeah, so... I was ready to jump into it because the guy's like, it'll be four weeks until we can get it. And I was like, oh shit, we better get going. But we did thankfully call another person and they came out and they ended up being like $400 cheaper. Yeah. And three weeks out. And just, I don't know, more options. Mm -hmm. You know, shout out to Overhead Door. Yeah. (laughs) Be getting a keypad, which the other place didn't even mention. Yeah. We won't mention the first place. No. We didn't decide to go to Overhead Door, which the guy was, I forgot his name, but he was just super nice. And we're not paid. We're not paid to shout them out. Yeah, this is not a paid advertisement. This yeah, is, this just, is free, y'all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For the people that listen, if you happen to live in Springfield, but yeah, they they were super cool and so we were like, "Oh god." So then the second thing that happened is that our dog Lily started to pant and lick herself incessantly. Hmm. And Shelly found that she had like a bad like red kind of in inflame area in her privates it was like a rash yeah so in the worst place possible just a poor girl so we couldn't get her into the vet so we ended up leaving her and so they could just squeeze her in and see her and they gave her some gel like ointment ointment that yeah, some antibiotic ointment didn't really seem to help and she hated it yeah i had to put like a cone over her like we have a blow-up pillow yeah. And so it seemed actually it'd be getting a little worse in different spots. So we took her, or Shelly took pictures 
and the doctor ended up giving her like some antibiotics and a pill for itching, which has just helped her tremendously. And through all this, I felt like I violated everything. Like I violated her. I felt so uncomfortable because it was in her private area. Yeah, she wasn't happy when you would do it. No. Um, I mean, I, I'll do it. Yeah. You know, I love her to death. I'll put whatever needs to be done. But boy, she absolutely hated it. For sure. For sure. But she's finally getting back to normal. Like yesterday, we kind of noticed she's back to herself. But uh, like you said earlier, you know, if you... If your dog seems to be panting more than normal, mm. maybe get it checked out. Yeah, maybe look in places that you don't normally look or... Because, I mean, unless she's laying on her back with, you know, everything exposed, I don't really check that area. I know, yeah. And until she started just licking and she would not stop, uh, then we were like, wait a minute, what, what, what are you licking there? And they're like, holy shit. Yeah. So... You know, we stayed at my friend Andrew's to go see Mars Volta, and he was talking about all the stuff that they had to go through and buy and money that they didn't expect to spend and joking about a curse. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I think I think we've got it. I think we've got the curse. Andrew, we are unfriending you at this moment. <laughs> <laughs> I joked around with him. I was like, oh, there's not a curse. And the light in the bathroom was flickering, and Shelly's phone has started flickering now. So I don't yeah. know. Something... We'll unfriend Andrew until we have to stay in St. Louis again. <laughs> well, it was funny. I, I even Googled it as a joke. I was like, our curse is real. And they're like, <laughs> no. No, absolutely not. I guess we'll still be friends with Andrew then. Yeah, and I watched The Exorcist the other day, and I'm like, is it a demon? <laughs> We've got a demon in the house? <laughs> we can sage it and, and do some, like, hocus pocus stuff. Yeah, for sure. Well... I mean, you know, we appreciate the people that do listen. We thank you so much. But we're just doing it in our free time for fun. So, you know, yeah. we, we try to make it when we can. So. Until later. You know, we're doing the best we can. Yeah. So we appreciate you, you know, hanging out. And if we don't have one out, we'll definitely have an excuse. There's, there'll definitely be a good excuse. Absolutely. And we'll tell you all about it. <laughs> You'll hear about it on the episode <laughs> that comes out. Be like... My third grandmother died and we couldn't do the episode. Like, third? Well, and the reason why I like talking about our own personal is because when I listen to podcasts, I really, I'm interested in their life and what yeah, they do. and For sure. You know, not just the topic that is at hand. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're humans and God, shit has been happening. And if you don't like it, then there's this little fast forward button on there that you can just <laughs> skip on. Yeah, next time, if we do get any negative feedback, I'll just be like, okay, we're going into our personal lives, so skip forward for a few minutes. If we get any feedback, you know, I'd be like, fuck yeah. Yeah. We're making it. We did get feedback one time of a person who was not happy with something that you said uh, about the celebrity spotlight. Yeah, Rue McClanahan. I was which... like, it, it was, I can't remember exactly, but it was very stupid in no, my opinion she had some good points i'm I'm not gonna discount that and i i screwed up on the title of her book that's right and i that's was trying fine. to remember yeah it was like her book is titled woman in charge instead of the woman in charge just whatever it was something very yeah. minor like that and i was it, like wow either way the title really doesn't didn't make sense yeah so it's it's cool if you haven't listened to rue mcclanahan boy that's that's a doozy yeah for sure well sorry one more thing you'll want to stay tuned to the end because we have a shout out we actually had um 
someone uh, comment on our short circuit post. And if you're a fan, you'll want to stay tuned because it's pretty cool. Yeah, for sure. They said it's called Short Circuit, not The Short Circuit. Right. No, it's actually a very good one. We'll shout them out. (laughs) So please, please do not fast forward through that because it's very cool. Yeah, it is. So this is kind of a horror movie in itself. We're in October now. Um, (laughs) An acting horror. uh, Michael Biehn, who plays Joe in the movie, considers this his worst movie. So I'm sure this is a horror movie to him. But we're talking about the 1993 movie Deadfall with Nicolas Cage. I have my tissues ready because I'm expecting to laugh so hard I cry. Pressure. Yeah. The pressure on that then. You are on. So a little backstory on Nicolas Cage, who is in this movie as Eddie. He, his, his name was Nicolas Coppola. And he is like the nephew, I believe, of Francis Ford Coppola, who was like, you know, he's kind of dropped off in recent history, but in the 70s, 80s and stuff, he was like a huge, huge, huge director. He won for Godfather, Godfather Part Two, did Apocalypse wow. Now. Just, he's up there. Yeah. And so Nicolas Cage was like, everyone kept, you know, being like, oh, you're Francis Ford Coppola's nephew. And he's like, oh. <laughs> so he changed it to Nicolas Cage for um, Luke Cage, the comic book character. Mm. Um, so that's how I think this movie got made is because the director of this is Nicolas Cage's brother, Christopher Coppola. And you're just like, well, how did they get all of these people in this movie that are actually you know, actors and good actors? And I'm sure people were like, oh, it's made by the newest Coppola? Yeah, I want in on it. Yeah, hell yeah. Francis Ford Coppola's daughter, Sophia Coppola, is a real no- a well-known director in her own right. Uh, she's an actress. Was horrible in The Godfather Part Three. Mm. Sorry, I I hate to say that, but that's kind of that movie has problems, and she's considered one of the big ones. Oh gosh, she plays Al Pacino's daughter in it, and she's not the greatest. Uh, you know, directs the hell out of movies though. So I figured that's kind of why people were jumping onto this movie. You got like James Coburn in here, yeah, Michael Biehn, Peter Fonda, Charlie Sheen. I think we were like, oh, we got a new Coppola on the scene. I got to get in on the ground floor before they blow up. Yeah, it it did blow up. And they blew up hard. Yeah, real hard. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Nicolas Cage did go on to win an Oscar a couple of years later for leaving Las Vegas, so his career was not completely destroyed. That's nice. Uh, so did James Coburn for Affliction, so he's he's good. Okay, this didn't uh, maybe this wasn't a very um, popular movie, so they weren't seen that much. True, I don't think it really got seen much until maybe home video or you know now where you can mm. stream it. It's as we'll get into, it's more well known for Nicolas Cage. Oh, yeah, his over-the-top 1,000% acting. Yeah, because he apparently brought everything that he wears to set. Like, that's his. He was like, oh, I'm going to dress my own. I want to be able to wear my own clothes. And they were like, yeah, bring all your own ideas. Sure, sure. So that's that's him. Like, this was all his idea. So I was I had more so known this movie because of Nicolas Cage and had never seen the entire thing through. Mm. So I was very surprised at how little he seems to be in it. I mean, he's in it here and there. Yeah. But the whole basis of the story is that Joe, played by Michael Biehn, does at the very beginning of the movie does a con that goes bad. Very bad. Yeah, and it is very stupid too because Basically, what they're trying to do is I think they're trying to scam this dude out of money. 
this guy is like trying thinks that he's buying drugs off of James Coburn, who is playing two roles in this movie. He plays Joe's dad, Michael Bean's dad, and he plays Lou, his uncle. Yeah. So he's playing twins. Just one has dark, dark hair and one has gray hair. Exactly. So they look totally different. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And the whole thing of this scam is that Michael Bean is like bringing this stereotypical mob guy. He's oh like, oh, hey, oh. Yeah, that's exactly what I called him, too, is Mafia Guy. And his fucking snorting just made me want to like, throw up a little bit. For sure, yeah. he Michael Bean is bringing this guy in to buy drugs off of James Coburn, and you don't know it's James Coburn at first. But, you know, James Coburn has all these drugs, and he's like, Michael Bean's like, wait, wait, he wants to test the drugs first. So the guy, like, tastes the drugs, and he says, he's like, oh, I'm seeing angels. <laughs> and... Michael Bean goes to get the drugs from him, and he sees, wouldn't you know it, like this very obvious, like six foot wire hanging out of James Coburn's arm. Yeah, <laughs> it's out of his suit jacket. It's like almost to the ground. Which, how? Because every other movie that you see when somebody gets wired up, it's always on the chest. Yeah, I know. Well, we come to find out that this is the con because police, you know, police come out and out of the dark in the, this factory that they're in and they start like, they're like, oh, get on the ground, get on the ground. And Michael Bean shoots James Coburn. He's like, oh, you set us up. And he shoots him in the chest. And this mafia guy's like, I'm getting out of here. <laughs> so, and so you're just like, well, what the fuck is happening here? And you realize it was all a joke because the cops all start laughing. And it was this was the con is basically like James Coburn, you find out, is his dad. They were setting this mafia guy up to get the money for the drugs and they you know, it wasn't real drugs or it wasn't all drugs or something. Yeah. And they're like, Oh, good job, Joe, you really played it and they're like, Hey, uh hey Joe, your dad's uh your dad's being a real method actor over there. How come <laughs> he's still on the ground acting like he got shot in the heart? <laughs> What's happening? He's like, Oh, he was taking acting classes the other day. He's really committed to the role. Yeah. They're like, huh. I guess he's wearing a lot of ketchup packets under there, too, because uh, there's a lot of red stuff coming out of him. <laughs> well, basically is, wouldn't you know it, there weren't blinks in the gun, and Joe really just killed his dad. Man, this is like the crow. Ooh. Yikes. Yeah, thankfully he didn't really kill James Coburn. Yeah, and it's not real. Let me see when that came out. Ooh, next year. And from, at this point, the crow would come out next year. Wow. I mean, I'm I'm sure it has nothing... I mean, no, it, it's not like the crow was all like, oh, I watched this movie. And yeah, no, you was... think Brandon Lee watched this movie and was like, "Whew, hope that doesn't happen in real life. Oh, right. Uh, Brandon, you need it on set. All right. Like, I'm not going to wear my bulletproof vest because whatever happens, happens. Well, that whole thing with the crow was terrible. Yeah, it was. So we're not making fun of that. We're just no noting the similarities. Exactly. So Michael Bean, of course, is devastated. He keeps being like, there, there were blanks in the gun. I swear there were blanks in the gun. Yeah. I mean, I if it was me personally and I accidentally shot, you know, a loved one, mm -hmm. boy, I'd be devastated. I know. Yeah. And it's kind of like that scene in Animal House where they, they shoot the horse, where they, they as initiation, they tell the uh, one of the freshmen to shoot the horse and he shoots in the air and the horse has a heart attack. No. And he's like, there were blanks in the gun. He's like, I didn't point it at him. No. And he's like, maybe he had a heart attack. So Bian is devastated. 
And we get Peter Fonda here again, just another part of a big family of actors, part of the Fonda family. And he is like the family is like kind of advisor, it seems like. Because BN is drinking his ass off and Fonda comes into his hotel room and he gives him like his dad's wallet and a key. Mm-hmm. And BN is drinking him. Or BN is just so drunk and he's just like, hey, they, they were blanks. There were blanks in that gun. There were blanks. Hmm. I swear there were blanks. Wasn't he just wearing his tidy whiteies? Oh, he could have been. I don't know. I can't remember. I think there was a white shirt and he, like, he wasn't really wearing clothes that I can remember. It's been a couple weeks. Yeah, it's been a minute. And we cut to the funeral and they're burying his dad and Bien sees a sexy lady put a rose on his grave later after they walk away. Ooh. She's like a redheaded woman and puts a rose on it. And he's like, I wonder who that could be. I wonder, is that my mama? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> As we come to find out his mom that he's got a locket of, it looks awful lot like this woman. Which doesn't make sense because his mom would obviously probably be James Coburn's age, maybe. Like old, yeah. You would think older. And this woman obviously is in her 20s. It's it's a ghost of my mom. <laughs> it's the ghost of my mother. <laughs> It's obviously a ghost because he sees her put the rose on and he turns away. And when he looks back, she's gone, mm-hmm. which doesn't make sense. No. So the, a lot of this stuff that we're going over happens in like the first 10 minutes. Basically, he finds that the the key that he was given by Peter Fonda is, finds it opens up a locker at a bus station. And he finds a gun in there, which back in the 90s, you could just store a gun in a locker, I'm sure. Sure. Yeah. And it's got a map. And there is also a picture of... A young, I'm assuming, James Coburn standing with a redheaded woman. Hmm. So random. Almost like it was staged. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and later we find out that his uncle is the other man in this picture that got torn up. And surprise, surprise, his uncle is played by James Coburn. Mm. So it's like a very bad... You don't see the picture very well. It's always blurry because they must have photoshopped it for 1993. To make it look like two two of James Coburn standing next to this woman. Yeah, it makes sense. So he's like, huh. But he finds like a letter and his dad says like, go meet your Uncle Lou. I never told you about him, but go find the cake. Which they always keep talking about cake in this movie, which I guess is slang for money. Well, later on he actually has a, a figure of a cake. Like a figurine type cake. Which that doesn't come into play though. No, he not, never. I mean, it really. never comes back, or is like, oh, that's what my my dad told me to get. No, because it doesn't make sense. Yeah, not at all. Yeah, it, it doesn't make sense whatsoever. Um, one thing we haven't talked about is that through the whole thing, Michael Bean is doing this terrible narration. Mm. You can tell he was like doing this with like a cigarette in one hand and a beer in the other because he's just like, yeah, the one thing you don't know about being a con man is a lot of things go into it. That's it. And just, like, terrible narration like that. (laughs) He's like, I had killed my father, and now I have to go find where he told me to go on this map. Yes, and get some cake. And you hear, he's like, Michael, can you do take two on that? No, I'm not doing take two. No, no. (laughs) It's like, this is a piece of shit. We all know this is a piece of shit. (laughs) They they didn't say his name until later, so I called him White Guy. Michael Bien? Yeah. Yeah, his name's Joe. But, you know, that's fine. I just was like, oh, he's a white guy. Yeah, for sure. So, well, I guess Michael Bean, like, the place that his dad told him to go was this, like, mini mart or food court area. 
So weird. It's basically like the equivalent of today of a bunch of food trucks. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, because he's walking around and there's all these little food stands and stuff. And he's like, oh, I've, oh, hang on. That's too good. Let me do it again. He's mm. like, you really got to watch where you're going and see where people are doing things. Or something, you know, you know this is not verbatim, but it's basically just like that. It's like, oh, I really got to try and see where I'm going here. Michael, you yawned into the mic. Yeah, I know. <laughs> like, and the movie kind of shows him, like, doing this, like, smirk, and he's, like, seeing all these deals being made. He's like, like oh, I'm such a good, you know, con man that yeah. I, I can see everything that's really happening. For sure, yeah. He's got. A, he's trying to find out, like, where the action is, you know. He keeps saying, like, where the cake is. And this lady, at, not to go off on a tangent, but this lady at the coffee shop that yeah. starts flirting with him, that really has no point. Well, you want to know what else doesn't come of that is that later there's a guy, he, he sees that lady a second time later in the movie, and she's like, oh, do you want, like, a free coffee? You want a free something? And he's like, no, I'm good. And one of his uncle's guys who works for him is just like, he's like, hey, what is her problem? She keeps offering me free stuff, and the guy's like, oh, I think she likes you. She likes you, you idiot. Yeah, and the guy's like, hey, could you do me a favor and not go after her? Because I have a thing for her. And you're like, who are you? Yeah. <laughs> Why is this happening? You've never been in this movie until now, I don't think. I mean, I get it. The lady's pretty. Maybe they're like, hey, we want to insert this lady in here because she's pretty. And that's what they decided. I guess. But, then you know, I think maybe they were trying to set up some emotional attachment because that guy gets killed in a few minutes at that point in the movie. <laughs> It's like, I really like that lady, and if you could do me a favor, please don't have sex with her so I can try and get with her. Oh, no, I'm shot. Yeah, that's a classic you're going to get murdered. (laughs) Yeah, after I try and uh, go out with her, I'm going to retire from this life, and I'm going to have some kids. Yeah, okay, you're dead. Yeah, you're going to be killed. (laughs) Like you said, BNC is a bunch of people like doing dirty deals and stuff, guys taking money from stands and stuff, and... Um, he pays a kid like $20, asks about Joe, and here we go. We see Nicolas Cage in the back like a vampire. Jesus Christ. He's got this black kind of Beatles wig on. He's got sunglasses on, and he's wearing like a big jacket. A horrible mustache. Yeah. And he's got fake teeth, I'm pretty sure. Well, I read that he was wearing like albino contacts, but I couldn't, it didn't seem what? like, you could see his eyes. Yeah, I didn't notice. You know, Nicolas Cage is like, why are you asking? This is how he's like, why are you asking about Lou? <laughs> like he's talking out of his, he can't close his mouth or something. Or he can't open his mouth. Yeah. He's just talking through his teeth. Why are you asking about Lou? Oh my God, damn it. And he's like, oh, that's my business. And he says, he has a pack of cards with him at all times, which doesn't overcome of anything either. But he's like, Pick a card. If it's a high card, I'll tell I'll tell you who I am, and if it's a low card, I'll tell you who you are. Now, like Cage, did you just get did you just get like dental surgery and your face is paralyzed? <laughs> is your jaw wired shut? He's like, no. Uh, I just I can't get over it. Okay. Yeah, it's real bad. Well, they it's a high card. Nicholas Cage works for Lou, the uncle, and. One of the guys comes back and is all like, oh, yeah, he, he is who he says he is. Because he's like, I'm Lou's nephew. And he's like, Lou doesn't have a nephew. <laughs> and this whole time I'm like, what is he saying? Yeah. <laughs> like, you can't. It's 
Scott's doing a good job where Nicolas Cage just like a bunch of mumbling. Yeah. And then like, what is he saying? I don't know. Yeah, they they go up into the office and there's this is so stupid to me is because Lou has his back to Michael Bean and then he turns around and Michael Bean sees that it's his twin brother. And he's like, he didn't know that he had a twin brother, his dad. Mm-hmm. So he sees him and he's like, oh my God. Oh my God. He looks exactly like my dad, mm-hmm. which I don't know. Maybe if you thought that you killed your dad, you'd, you'd have some, you know, some things like that. But I don't know if you'd just be like, oh, he has a twin. Yeah. I'd be like, holy shit. Can I call you daddy? <laughs> <laughs> Can I call you daddy Lou? Oh, <laughs> uh, no. Okay, I'm going to do it anyway. Well, they start talking, and Nicolas Cage in the background is, like, sitting in a chair. He takes some pills, and he, like, shakes his head back and forth. He's like, he's like, what? He takes his glasses off, and his eyes are half closed like he's a vampire, like I mentioned. Mm -hmm. He's, like, squinting as if he's, like, half asleep. He's like, I'm like, what are we going for here? Like, some crackhead? Like, I don't. I don't understand. Well, he's supposed to be like some sort of drug. You see him doing cocaine, but he's taking pills too, so I don't know. He also, it's funny here because Cage takes a phone call at one point in the back. The phone rings and he picks it up and he doesn't even like act like anybody else is on the other line. It's like, ring. He's like, hello? Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, that'll be fine. Okay, thanks. And hangs up. (laughs) (laughs) Like, there wasn't anybody else on that line, was there, Eddie? He just said that really fast. That'd be funny if they're like, Eddie... I don't know who you're talking to because that phone didn't ring. Did you hear that phone ring, Eddie? (laughs) Yeah, I heard that phone ring. Did you not hear that phone ring? (laughs) I heard that fucking phone ring. (laughs) I heard that motherfucking phone ring. (laughs) Yeah, you got to really draw it out. (laughs) So Coburn's like, oh, cool. You can work for me for a bit. Michael Bean, you can hang around here. And he's like, how about you and Eddie go out and have a night on the town? And he'll get you introduced to everybody and stuff. And uh, they look back and Cage just gives like a thumbs up. He's like, huh? He's just like, he looks so like he's about to pass out. (laughs) His face is so distorted. Yeah, he's like, like, God, if you haven't seen it, man, you just gotta. Um. Lou is very nice to Michael Bean. He even gives him a hug and welcomes him, and Cage squeezes the chair that he's in. He's like, not. you can tell he's not happy. He's like, I'm the number one son. Yeah. But they're not really. <laughs> you really like that from Succession. <laughs> I'm the first son. I'm the firstborn. <laughs> no, no, you're not. God damn it. Well, they go out for a night on the town, and first they stop and they pick up... Uh, Cage's girlfriend, Diane. We get a little bit of more Michael Bean narration here where he's like, wow, Lou introduced me to this guy and he really seemed like he's a hardwired man. Mm. And the guy's like, Michael, can you, you know what? That's fine. Let's just get through this. You know, I was just I'm reading my notes and I made a note saying it is just, it shows, this movie shows how important directing is. Yes. Because you can have all the right people in it. And it'd be a horrible movie. And it's this. It, I think I was thinking about that the other day, the, it, directing. But I think the script is the biggest thing too. Mm. It's kind of like Star Wars. You know, Harrison Ford when they were filming it was like, George, you know, you can write this shit, but you can't say it. That's it like, true. You can't say this without sounding really stupid. <laughs> so yeah. And the music. 
Like the music in this was just weird. I can't. E- I don't even know how to describe it, and it's not really in my head right now. But I remember it just not matching. For real, yeah. No, it it definitely was very strange. So, uh, okay, I thought Christopher Coppola did the music, but no, he did not. It was by Jim Fox, who does not have a Wikipedia page. Well, Jim Fox uh, screwed it. You screwed it hard. Says the guy who wrote this, it was written by Chris Coppola and Nick Vallenlonga, which I think was the guy at the beginning. The guy who was like, I'm seeing angels. Oh, the snorting guy? I think. Which is said that he wrote, he, well, hang on here, maybe or not. <laughs> what? I'm reading my notes and when Nicholas Cage grips the armchair, I was like, like he's holding in a shit. <laughs> Oh, okay. No, no, no. I Correction, I'm glad. Speaking of the guy who comes out of nowhere about the, hey, I really like that girl at the counter, and boy, I'd really love to marry her. That is the guy. Oh. Nick Vallenlonga. I think I'm saying that right. Okay. He would go on to win Oscars as well. Wow. For, for writing and stuff. He wrote the movie Green Book, uh, which won the Oscar not too long ago, but... His picture, uh, the picture of him on IMDb, one of them is him getting shot at the end of this movie. Well, Nick, what the hell happened? What did you do to this one? I'm sure he's like, you want to know what happened? Christopher Coppola happened. He's mm. like, if I wrote this thing, it would have been great. He's like, but Chris was kept coming in and be like, what if, uh, what if Nicolas Cage calls someone like a fucking fuck? <laughs> <laughs> Nick's like, oh god, yeah, sure, yeah. Uh, but they stop. Here we go. They, Joe and Eddie, who is Cage's character, stop and get Eddie's girlfriend Diane. And I wrote down that Cage looks like he's wearing a prom suit because he's wearing like a he's got like a cummerbund on him and yeah. a little bow tie and this jacket. Super and cute. Diane doesn't really hide it very well, but she seems like she's definitely got eyes for Joe right away. Yeah. Well, I mean, and I'm like, okay, she is super pretty and Nicolas Cage is off his fucking rocker so she's in it for money or maybe the sex is really good well she says later they she does not sleep with him that's right so money I, I assume so because yeah the first thing they do is they go to this bar and Cage is like oh or you want to do a little con right here and get your feet feet wet or something And which is funny this con that they do I watched Zombieland the other day and this con is in this, they do the exact same thing. Really? Yeah, they do this exact same con with like a, a earring or something. Hmm. So basically is is that Cage and Diane go into this bar. Cage is like, can I have a, a bottle of your finest champagne? <laughs> and the woman's like, we only have shots of beer. And I was like, shots of beer? That's weird. But it, Diane goes into the back to use the phone when phones existed in bars and stuff. I'm sure yeah. they still have pay phones maybe no no they make a uh, point of diane like reaching for her beer with her diamond ra- diamond bracelet on yeah and the waitress is like oh that's a beautiful bracelet and she's like oh thank you so much yes it's very pretty and she's like well i've got to go make a phone call real quick and she leaves and michael bn comes in and sits at the other side of the bar and so diane comes out after making this phone call, she's gone like all of maybe two minutes. And she's like, Eddie, I, I don't know where my bracelet is. And the, if I, I wrote in my notes here, it's like the waitress should be like, 
well, you pointed it out to me. You know, when you hand, when I handed you your beer, I said, oh, here's that. And you're like, yes, I love my bracelet. This dialogue does not make sense. I know. She's like, I, I don't know where my bracelet is. And he's like, oh, did you leave it at the restaurant? And you're like, yeah. She's like, well, maybe. I, I don't know. And again, I'm like, you just talked to the waitress. I know it's a con, yeah. but you got a con better than this. And the waitress has got to be like, dude, I just saw it. You, you just had it on. Yeah, we just spoke. Remember, like two minutes ago? I know. So... Cage is like, listen, if you, uh, oh, sorry, he's like, listen, <laughs> we're going to leave, and if somebody turns this bracelet in, I'll give you $500, just call this number. <laughs> and the waitress is like, oh, sure. So they leave, and Michael Behan goes back into the back to make a phone call, and he comes out, and he's holding the bracelet. And the waitress is like, where did you find that? And he's like, oh, I found it back here in the phone booth. And she's like, that's mine. And he's like, uh, I don't know about that. And she's like, look, look, I'll give you, uh, he's like, I'll give you some money for it. And he's like, how much? And he's like, 200. And he's like, sure, here you go, 200. And so the waitress then goes to make the phone call to call Cage. And it's like, we're sorry, the number has been disconnected. <laughs> and she's like, mm, oh, shoot. All of this for $200. Well, 1993, but uh, yeah. Okay, then what, like? Seven, eight hundred dollars, maybe. It could be. I don't know the. Infl- I'm not going to do the inflation, yeah, but yeah, for man. sure. So, so yeah, they pull. But yeah, it's the same exact thing. The two sisters in Zombieland play this same con over like an earring or something lost, or an engagement ring. Some I can't remember what it is, but some jewelry. Yeah. Wow. The la- lady says she lost it. Her sister later comes in and is like, "Hey, I found this in the parking lot." And the guy's like, oh, "I'll pay you for it." Well, I'm just thinking if we were to go to a bar and, and act this out, I would probably pee myself laughing so hard. <laughs> <laughs> be like, be like, oh, this is my diamond wedding ring. And then five <laughs> seconds later, be like, has anybody seen my diamond wedding ring? I think I must have left it at the restaurant. <laughs> but you just, you just pointed it out. <laughs> no, it's missing. I know. <laughs> I don't think I could act very well with it. Be like. I just found this diamond wedding ring in the phone booth back there. <laughs> hey, that's my wedding ring. Hmm, I don't think so. <laughs> like, I'll pay you for it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I'll give you 50 bucks. Sure. Wait, wait. No, no. <laughs> 200. <laughs> they go to a strip club and you pointed it out. Because I was taking notes, but this stripper is like bouncing her boobs in front of Cage's face. Yeah. She's like, nye, 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 nye. <laughs> that was me with my hands like going up and down. Oh, shit. Uh, Eddie goes to make a phone call, and Diane tells Joe at this point that she's just with Eddie to pass the time. Big guy sitting in the corner that Eddie tells Joe owns owes Lou $1,500. Yeah, and his name is Baby. Baby, yeah, he's, he's a big black guy. He owes Lou $1,500 and you're going to go get it for him. For him. Uh, <laughs> Joe's like freaking out a little bit, but he starts to go over. And as he starts to talk to this guy, Eddie leaves. He goes into the car and he starts doing coke. And then he just starts laughing like a maniac. It's wild. And... Diane's like, hey, isn't are we going to let Joe in? And he looks over, and Joe is hugging Baby. And he walks over, and he's like, hey, got the $1,500. And Eddie like starts to grab it, and he's like, uh-uh, I'm going to give it to Lou myself. 
Yeah, and during this laughing episode, I, I just there I have something with snorting and and snot. Yeah, but he has snot hanging from his nose. Ugh, uh, so gross, so gross. Yeah, that's disgusting. Well, they they drop Joe off at his hotel, and as he's leaving, you can just see Diane is like, "I'm gonna have sex with this man." Yeah, she's like, "I'm like, you're sitting right in front of Cage, and I know he's like coked up to the gills, but play it off a little bit better." Especially, like, these people, I mean, we'll talk about it later, but you think these people would be acting better for what's going on. Yeah, true. Um, Joe goes back and he breaks into Lou's office. He opens up his drawer and he sees, like, a one-way ticket to Tahiti. Oh, yeah. And he is the narration's like, I think Lou had something big cooking. I need to find that cake. <laughs> we all know if you go to Tahiti, you're running from something. I know. And... Well, hey, I'm playing Red Dead Redemption. They keep talking about going to Tahiti. I know. Red Dead Redemption 2. But it's so funny because Joe finds the one-way ticket to Tahiti in his drawer, and he just says out loud to nobody around, he's like, what is he up to? (laughs) It's so stupid. It's just poorly done. I find that too odd because I talk to myself a lot. I guess. I just The way the movie made it do it, it was very poorly done. It's healthy. It's okay. Um, he also sees in the office the photo of two James Coburns together with the redheaded lady in the middle of them. Oh, shit. And he's like, oh, God, there's two James Coburns. Wait, right, right. He's twin. He's a twin. Never oh, mind. Oh. He comes back to his apartment and his Diane is there. And this is where we get somewhat of a long sex scene here. Yeah. We get to see Michael Biehn's ass, too, so I guess it kind of evens it out. But I was like, you're, yeah, you're seeing a lot here. I did. I put that they make sweet, sweet love in every position possible for like three days. <laughs> Could have been. <laughs> you do show, uh, they do show Biehn going downtown on this lady. And I was like, hey, 1993, you don't see that much. <laughs> yeah, we find out why Christopher Coppola wanted to make this movie with this scene. Yeah. Diane, the lady that plays Diane is like, I have to take my clothes off. And he's like, yeah, you signed that contract. I added it in after, but yes, you do. We got to see boobies. So they're like laying in bed after and she gets up and leaves. She says that Eddie will kill them if she finds out. And Michael Biehn has a terrible line at the end of this. He's like, I'm not sure if I'm ready for you. (laughs) I was like, what are the pauses? It's like they're changing cue cards out. He's reading it. I'm not sure. Taste a cue card. Taste a cue card. If I'm ready, cue card again, goddammit, for you. They learned from the phone call. Yeah. They're like, oh, we got to change this up a little because he talks too fast. Oh, that was Nicolas Cage that did the phone call, didn't he? They probably did cue cards because of how he did the narration. They were like, look, Mm. if he's, look, we got to do something better because we need to do, have him in, like, if you give him a full page, and I'm just joking because Michael Biehn's actually a really good actor. He was great in Terminator. Yeah. But, He's like, you give him a page and he's like, not sure if I'm ready for you yet. So it's like one word at a, give him like a couple words at a time on a cue card. I'm not sure if I'm ready for you yet. (laughs) They cut it and he's like, I'm not sure if I'm ready for you yet. <laughs> they edit it together. <laughs> uh, sometimes I wish we were filming this. <laughs> you are so hilarious. 
it's yeah a lot of uh, visual gags I do here, knowing that we're not no one's ever gonna see it but you. But <laughs> I play to you. And they're like, that Shelly, she laughs a lot. Well, you, Scott's pretty fucking hilarious. <laughs> well, thank you. Well, um, we see next day that Joe is sitting with Lou at his house because it's Lou's birthday. And he gives Lou the $1,500. And he's like, oh, Eddie's been trying to get this money from baby for months. And this woman that Lou is with, it's like his wife or girlfriend or something comes out. And she's like, something else. She she is something else. She's like, here's your birthday cake, Lou. And he's like, oh, I don't, I'm not a fan of all of this. And she gets pretty pissed at him. But yeah, she has like the weirdest accent in this movie. She's like, Oh, Joe, I'm so happy to meet you. <laughs> it's like, you met her in New Jersey or something? She kind of um, plays like a little dumb. I ditzy, think. yeah. Yeah, ditzy is a better word. Well, Lou says he's like, I found her at a truck stop slinging hash. She oh. made me the best cup of coffee, and that was it for me. We got, got with her because she made good coffee. All right. That's, that's one reason to marry somebody. Yeah, well, so we now see Nicolas Cage at a strip club, and Baby comes up to him and is like, Eddie's like talking to, okay, Eddie starts talking to Baby because Baby walks by. He's like, man, you're not as cool as that other guy, Joe. He was a cool dude. And he's like, oh, was he cool enough to get Baby to cover $1,500? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if you've ever seen Venture Brothers, but there's a guy named Bigsby, I think. Roy Brigsby, but he he had a stroke, so he talks through his mouth like that. He's like, "Oh yes, <laughs> yes, I'm very happy to be here." Is it cool enough to get the paper to cover fifteen hundred dollars? Passes out. <laughs> so we find out, baby's like, "Oh well, Joe just told me to come out and hug him in front of you, and he paid my debt off with his own fifteen hundred. Nice." So, and I was like, why would Baby tell him this? Like, his debt is cleared. Why would he tell Nicolas Cage that? Because then Nicolas Cage is probably going to come after him again. Yeah, I guess just to rile him up because he said he probably was looking after to take his job and his woman. Yeah, he's like, he probably stole your woman too. And he did. Yeah. <laughs> so Cage gets up and he screams fuck for like 30 seconds in this place. <laughs> like, fuck. Uh, he's getting kind of pissed off and he's like fighting with this guy and it's probably my favorite line in the movie is he that he hits this guy he gives him like a karate chop he goes hi fucking yeah <laughs> but we didn't talk about it but there was this dude as Joe went back to his hotel the first time there was this dude in a car watching him and the dude in the car is now sitting at the bar as Eddie is leaving oh, that's right this yeah. comes to nothing as well this is nothing yeah because Nicholas Cage goes out into his car and this guy comes up and he like puts a knife and he starts choking Eddie. Maybe Nicholas Cage was like, I gotta fight somebody. I don't know. I don't know why this guy was tailing Joe. I don't know why he was tailing Eddie. Wait. I think he must have worked for his dad trying to make sure that everything was going okay. He tried. Okay. We'll spoil it. Joe's dad is still alive and this whole thing is one big con. Mm. So I think that this guy that's trying to kill Nicolas Cage works for Joe's dad. But then why would he attack him? Because Nicolas Cage was probably going to try and kill Joe because he's pissed oh, off at him. Oh, 
okay, okay. Or try and, as he does here in just a little bit, try to kill Lou because he's pissed off. That's right. Nothing, none of that is said, and we really had to think about it to make it make sense. Yeah, it did not even make sense until we're talking it out right now. Yeah, because Nicolas Cage slams this dude's head in a door, and he's like, there's some weird line he says at the beginning of it here, though, where he's like, he's, we're saying fucking pick it, pop, man. <laughs> like, Sam Peckinpah is a Western director, you know, so I don't know why he said it, but as he's banging this guy's head in the door, he's like, who sent you? And he goes, Sam fucking Peckinpah, and he, like, slams his head and kills him in the door again. It makes no sense. Yeah, he opens the door and hits this dude in the head at one point, and I was like, that looked real. It looked like he really hit that dude. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think they didn't um, take into account how low the door opened and where his head was yeah so Nicolas Cage comes home and this is a great scene that you can find on YouTube here because he comes home <laughs> to Diane's and he's like someone's trying to kill me man <laughs> and it's funny because he's like puts his jacket up or something and he's like ah, fucking hangers <laughs> <laughs> he's just flipping out like um, if somebody was acting like this around me, I'd be like, we need to call an ambulance and get you admitted. Help, yeah, because, you know, Diane does have a gun behind her. She pulls it out of a drawer while he's throwing a tantrum. But he's like, oh, he finds a cigar in an ashtray, and he's like, cigar, huh? Lou's brand. I didn't know you smoked cigars, baby. And she's like, Eddie, I don't know what you're talking about. He goes, shut the fuck up, man! <laughs> he goes, ah, have you been fucking Lou, man? No. Yeah, he falls on the bed and he starts hitting. He's like, <laughs> he starts like throwing a little kid tantrum on this bed. It is over the top, like way over the top. I can't do this next line all the way through because part of it, he goes, he goes, uh, he sits up and he goes, what am I, an effing R word, man? Like oh, a yeah. R worded person, you, you know. Yeah, the derogatory term. Yeah. And. He's like, Lou is trying to snuff me out because of his crazy little nephew. <laughs> and he goes, well, viva la fucking France, man. I'm like, viva la France? Long live France? What the hell is that about? <laughs> I'm so glad you knew what he was saying because in my notes, I'm like, I have no idea. I know. Well, I've seen the scene a few times. So he tries to attack Diane and she pulls the gun and he leaves. Yeah, which good for her. Um, and Diane runs to Joe's apartment and Joe is just playing cards. He's putting cards on the table like ace and he pulls it and it's like an ace. And I don't know what he's doing here, hmm. but Diane comes in and she's like, oh, I think, I think Eddie's going to go hurt Lou. <laughs> I, I put that Nicholas goes to Lou's office saying things that I hope Scott got. <laughs> I did. I did too. Cause Lou is in his office at night and Eddie is sitting in the back and he's like, it's a crazy fucking world we live in. Captain Jack! <laughs> You're like, Captain Jack? What? This is the line. This may be my favorite or second line. He goes, Eddie, what are you doing here? And he's like, you filthy devil-crossing little filthy fucking double-crossing filthy fucking goddamn fucking filthy little rat! <laughs> nice. <laughs> that was awesome. I, I had to read it because I was like, I couldn't write that down here. No. And and he was like, Eddie, what's your problem? What's going on here? And he's like, he says, pick a card. And he's like, Eddie, we're going to make a ton of money here. So he's like, pick a fucking card. 
And he says, show me the Joker. Show me the Joker. <laughs> so he picks the card, and it's the Joker. And he's like, he goes, Eddie, we're going to make a bunch of money here together. I don't know why you're doing this. And he goes, bullshit, bullshit. <laughs> and he goes, what? He's like, is this about Joe? Oh, God, you filthy hothead. And he's like, filthy hothead? You brought me a filthy fucking hothead? I'll show you a hothead. And this is the actual line right here. <laughs> and he advances on Lou, and it cuts. But he just starts going like, <laughs> like he's Joe Pesci in Home Alone. Like, <laughs> He's like, hothead? I'll show you a hothead. <laughs> the whole time in the back, you see this like, what is this? A fryer with the grease boiling? Yeah, because Joe runs in, and yeah, they're at like the one of the places that he was like they one of the stands from earlier, and right. yeah, he's gonna put Lou in there, and Joe shows up, and he and um, Nicholas Cage start fighting. Uh, Nicholas Cage, I put it in my notes. I can't remember the line, but he keeps asking if he wants to fuck. <laughs> he's like, "You wanna fuck? You wanna fuck me?" <laughs> um. No. Not with you, no. Um, Cage starts to push Bian's head into the boiling oil, and Michael Bian pulls off Nicolas Cage's wig, showing that he's bald. Oh, no. He's like, you motherfucker. That's the worst. Uh, you know, Bian gets the upper hand and shoves Nicolas Cage's head in the burning oil, killing him. And Michael Bian is like looking like, oh, my God, I've killed another person. Oh, my God. And Coburn, tied up, is looking like, yeah, that's terrible. Can you fucking untie me, please? Yeah. <laughs> Can we get out of here, please? So they go and they bury Nicolas Cage's body in like a work site or some construction site. And he was like, look, I was going to, Ed, Eddie was going to be helping me in this big con, but now that he's dead, I need your help. And he goes, I need someone to bring in the mark. And he's like, oh, well, I don't know if I'm good at cons, like big cons like this anymore. And he's like, look, it's going to be so easy. Basically what it is, we're going to rip a guy off. You kill me, and I fake my death. And oh, it's the same fucking thing. Great. From... Yeah, I've been through this before. Yeah, Michael Bean's like, oh, he starts having PTSD. So Joe goes back to his apartment. He's freaking out, and Diane is there. And Joe enters, and he has his back to her, and she pulls a gun on him. And she's, mm -hmm. like, holding it to him. And he turns around, and she goes, oh, Joe, it's you. I'm like, what? Of Who course, else would it be? Of course it's Joe. How do you not know? Well. Joe's basically like, I don't think I can do this shit because it's the same fucking thing that happened when I killed my dad. And she's like, Joe, just get it over with and then we can be free. We go off together and we'll be free. So the next scene is Joe is in the office with Lou and Lou's like, oh, you know, I, I had a cake made for your mother. And it's this big plastic cake like you mentioned. Mm -hmm. And he opens it up and there's a diamond ring in it. And he's like, I was going to give it to her, but your dad got to her first or whatever. That Basically, his dad stole the mom out from under Lou. Oh, yeah. And he was like, here, Joe, you take this and give it to a woman. And he's like, no, Lou, you can keep it. Like, I don't have anybody special in my life. Yeah, I'm not seeing somebody that I'm going to run away with at the moment after we're done with this. I didn't just have incredible sex the other day. <laughs> the three-day sex session? Yeah. Mm -mm. So it's like. That's it. That's all the cake. Where he's like, find the cake. He found it. Uh, okay. And he doesn't want it. So. <laughs> doesn't that figure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Lou is like, you know, once this con is over with, you should come with Blanche and me to Tahiti. He's like, we're going to go and stay there and lay low for a while. And Bian's like, wow, you mean it, Daddy Lou? <laughs> he's like, I did. I didn't. Please don't call me Daddy Lou. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, because I only saw one ticket. He's like, what? Tahiti. <laughs> well, 
basically, so here's the thing. They're going to pull a con on this guy. Apparently there was a man or something named Harry Shaw who told Lou about this mark. Oh, this dude. So Lou is like, you see this diamond right here? And BN is like, oh, that's great. I'm like, how does he know? I guess he must know what diamonds look like, I suppose. But he was like, basically, is we're going to get this guy to buy these diamonds from us. And the whole thing is they're, they're going to get him to buy like 30 and only one is real. And they're going to get him to pay $9 million for it. Yeah. And BN's job is to get the mark interested in this and then go to buy them and then they're gonna give him the diamonds and run and James Coburn is gonna fake his death again like at the beginning when his dad did the same thing yeah and Lou's like so how are you at playing pool yeah so I saw Charlie Sheen's name is in the credits when this came up and I'm like where the hell is Charlie Sheen Michael Bien goes to this pool club Michael Bien goes to this pool club and he puts a thousand dollars down on the table mm. and Charlie Sheen, who is dressed like the devil next to him. He's got like a pointy little goatee. He's dressed like Hugh Hefner, but he looks like the devil. Yes. And he's like, hmm, putting down a lot of money, huh? And he's like, yeah, yeah, I'd like to play a game. How about $1,000? And he's like, how about $1,000 per point? What? Yeah. That's a lot of money. And BN's like, sure, I would like to play the game with you. I'm a, <laughs> I'm good at it. And he's like, hmm. Are you trying to con me? <laughs> Why do you have like index cards and you keep looking at them? That man across the bar is holding index cards for you to read. I can see it. <laughs> I thought Charlie Sheen was pretty good. Yeah, he's not bad. And you should know that you're in deep shit because he was like, they're playing billiards first off. They, I didn't know what this game was. I'm not a huge pool player. And it, mm -hmm. when I have played it, it's just been regular pool. But billiards it looked to me like they're just hitting balls across the table but charlie sheen puts this cue together like his own personal cue he puts like a special glove on be like you know you're fucked absolutely and he's got this long pinky nail painted silver yeah so i mean he's coked out and he's all fancy yeah and he's given like the speech when he's playing he's like he's killing it and he's hitting all these balls and getting all these points but oh no he is this was sam's game mm. samuel longhorn clemens also known as mark twain <laughs> he's like he used to play this when he had writer's block mm. so sheen is about to hit a ball and his assistant sneezes and he misses and he's like pissed off at this oh, guy oh man um bn goes and he hits a ball and he he hits it well and sheen just starts clicking at him he's like like yeah good job yeah he's a poet yeah pretty much he's like he's like doing slam poetry didn't know it it's like thanks everybody for the poetry <laughs> well being misses so sheen goes back and he wins and he's like hmm, all right well i won twenty five thousand dollars jesus yeah and being's of course like i'm good for it and he's like hmm, sorry buddy that's not how this works so he gives him a watch and he's like this watch is good for it and being or Sheen has these two goons take the watch into the back, and he's like, you know, if you're not good for it, this isn't going to go well for you. And I was like, is Sheen supposed to be the devil here? <laughs> yeah, he's acting like it. So the two guys come back, and Sheen's like, looks like you got to go back into the room to talk to my boss. And Michael Bean goes back, and his boss is this German guy who has a robotic arm with scissors for a hand. Yeah, it looks almost like a lobster claw. Yeah. 
I'm like, the fuck is this shit? And it's like, um, it's in, it's powered, you know. It's like, uh, uh, oh god, I put it in here. Yeah, I know what you mean. It's it's like hydraulics. hydraulics. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like ching, yeah, jinx, jinx, jinx. And the robot guy is like, "Where did you get this watch?" And Bian's like, "Well, I want it from a man named Harry Shaw." And he was like, "I want. I'm trying to see if anybody will do business." And he gives the robot guy the diamond. And the robot guy looks at it and is like, "Ooh, that's a that's a fucking flawless, amazing diamond." And five carats. Yeah, Bian's like, "Well, I know a Texas man that's got twenty nine more of these that he's trying to offload." Say what? Yeah, I know. He's like, "Give you nine million for all of the diamonds." And the robot guy is like, "Oh, sure, I'll do it if you shake my scissor hand." Yeah, and the, of course this guy, which is kind of nasty looking. Yeah. I mean, he's not meant to be like this good looking guy, but he's got like women. Yeah, he's got like ladies hanging around him. Of course. And I'm just like, ladies, come on. Let's look at ourselves in the mirror and, and say how beautiful you are and what the fuck are you doing here? It's like, my robot hand, I can take it off and put a dildo on it. Mm. <laughs> Still not worth it. Yeah, I don't know. Well, Joe... <laughs> Joe does shake his little robot hand. He's like, Which, he he puts his hand around like the open scissor part. I know it's supposed. To, I best. I guess it's supposed to be like trust. Yeah, like but oh, you trust me to not scissor your hand. Even touching it would probably cut you. I don't know. Sharp, I guess. I have no idea. It's the whole. This whole scene is really dumb. I think about things way too much. Well, you're 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 probably right. It's just. I couldn't get over the scissor hands. I'm like, why does this man have a James Bond-like appendage, like scissor hands? Is this name Edward? <laughs> I don't know. When did... <laughs> Hang on here. I think Edward came out. Edward Scissorhands came out in uh, 1992? Mm. 1990. Oh. So Edward hands came out in 1990. Were they writing this and they were like, oh, let's try and get other people into the movie. Like, Let's get the women in and we will make them think of Edward Scissorhands <laughs> when they see this guy. Gonna have to have somebody a little cuter. Yeah, not a crazy German doctor guy or whatever the fuck this guy I mean, is. I mean, if they would have gotten Johnny Depp for that one too, maybe. I don't know. Maybe. Well, so they're all getting ready to do this big con, and all of his guys are like getting ready. This guy hands Joe a gun, and he's like, "Oh, Joe, this has blanks in it." One of the guys at this table I recognized. He's an actor. Is Clarence Williams the third, which I'm just saying that he passed away in 2021. Hmm. But he was in Half Baked as the guy they try to sell marijuana to for the FBI. Oh, okay. And the guy's like, "I'm Cuban B," and he goes, "Yes, Cuban B." That's very funny. <laughs> but I was like, "Oh, Clarence Williams, why? Why are you in here? Why? Why is anybody in here? I don't know." But. This is where the girl is like, Joe, you want some free food or something? And uh, the writer of the movie is like, hey, Joe, you know I like that lady. You know it. And he's like, don't worry. You're going to have a long time to get to know her and have a great relationship. Yeah, so. you guys are going to get married. It's going to be beautiful. Yeah. So Joe's riding in the car with the big German guy on his arm. And he's like, hey, it's going to be great. You know, well, I'll do the talking for you. And. So they get there and they're doing the deal. I think they're doing the deal right in the middle of like this little food court area. Mm, it looks like. I think so. And that robot guy should be like, "Wait a minute, are we not? Are we? Is this the guy Lou's place? I know Lou. Lou, <laughs> Lou seems to be a guy that would be known around town." The lighting wasn't very good, so I don't know if they were just like, "Oh, yeah. we don't have any other place to go, so let's just do it here and just make it look dark." I know. Well, 
they they walk in and Bien's on the side of the robot and his goons and Coburn and his guys, including the writer of the movie, show up. And because James Coburn is supposed to be a Texan, he's wearing a big old Texas cowboy hat. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he might as well be wearing like a, a Dallas cowboy shirt or something, too. <laughs> but he gives he opens up this case and it's got 30 diamonds in it and mm. only one of them is real so joe goes over and lou had told him earlier like this is gonna be the real one right here in the middle so you pick that one so he gets it and takes it over to the robot guy you think he would be like this is the same diamond mm. uh, but i don't maybe not i'm not a diamond guy and uh, me neither and so he's like i would like to see all of the diamonds and Lou is like, no, I want to see all of the money. And they start arguing, and BN is doing the arguing for him. He's like, hey, fuck you. That's not what we agreed on. We get to see all the diamonds, and we're out, man. Yeah, it's a con, man. He's got to sell it. Yeah, and James Coburn's like, fuck you. I want to see the money, or I'm walking. And the robot is like, wait, wait, wait. Fine. Show him the money. So they show all the money in this other briefcase, and he's like, now go get the diamonds so I can seize him. And Joe starts walking over to Lou, and Lou hands him, like, the case of diamonds, and there's another six-foot wire hanging out of his jacket. <gasps> no! And he goes, he's wearing a wire! And Joe pulls out his gun, and he freezes because he's remembering of when he killed his dad. And Lou is like, this is where the robot guy should know, because Lou is like, Joe, shoot me! <laughs> he's like, Joe, shoot me! And he freezes, and one of the robot guy's henchmen shoots Lou right in the heart this time. Oh, damn. And the, his henchmen start shooting at all the Lou's guys, and the writer of the movie, Nick, was like, Joe! He's like, Joe, get down! Get down! I can't shoot anybody! You're in the way! And he gets killed. <laughs> so Joe runs out of here. Like, the robot guy gets his hand shot, and it's like, meow. <laughs> <laughs> like, goes off. You hear all the girls crying, like, like oh, oh, we're not going to get banged tonight. <laughs> the only reason we're here. <laughs> so Joe has the money, and he runs out. He's, like, freaked out. And he runs for a bit, and he gets to a warehouse, and he sees the woman from the beginning at the grave <gasps> graveyard, the redheaded. She's like, Mommy? Or he's like, Mommy? <laughs> she disappears into the warehouse, and he runs in, and it's Diane. <gasps> No. He's like, who are you? And it's Diane, and she's crying her eyes out. Mm -hmm. And he's like, what the, what the what? And Joe's dad comes out, and he's got Peter Fonda, and I think it's the guy that, the mafia guy from the beginning is there too, right? The guy who said he's seeing angels? I believe so. So they're all in on it, and he's like, good job, Joe. We conned him good. We got the $9 million. And he's like, Yo, dad? He's like, or he keeps calling him Pop, I forgot. And he's like, Pop, Pop what are you doing here, Papa? And he was like, it was all a con. He's like, I knew you'd go and get in with Lou and he'd pull, try to pull the con off with him and we'd get the money instead. And he's like, but you killed your own brother. And he's like, he stole, or what was it? He got your mother killed in one of his cons. Mm. And he's like, what, what, I don't know what's going on. Was she supposed to be the one? She had the wire in her jacket and she was like, Shoot me, and someone else killed her. Or, or it's like they forgot to put blanks in the gun and killed her that time. Who the hell knows? Be oh like, my gosh. This con we're doing has a high mortality rate. You'd think we would try and do something different. <laughs> Let's shake it up or put some kind of, you know, bulletproof vest on or something. Or be like, look, we're going to have five people check this gun to make sure they're all blanks before we ever go in. Yeah. 
Like, so many people have died doing this in the past. We're going to try and make sure that there are real blanks in this gun. Or, like, he's like, look, we've had too many people die, so we bought a toy gun and we painted it black. <laughs> Someone's going to set off a firework and I'm just going to fall ba- fall down backwards. And that's it. Just to make sure that I don't get fucking shot on this con. <laughs> I've been shot 75 times doing this. <laughs> so Diane was hired, and he's like, oh, I know she looked exactly like your mother, so I knew you couldn't resist her. I'm like, the, what, wait, what now? What? <laughs> what was that about? I just had sex with my mother? Yeah. Oh, my god. Well, it's even fucking worse because Diane, at the beginning of this, when she sees his little locket of his mom, she's like, who's that? And he's like, ex-girlfriend. Ew. <laughs> it's like That's I knew you. Right. I knew you couldn't resist fucking someone that looked like your mother. Oh, that's some fucked up shit, right? I know. There. And you're like, wait, what was that about? And he's like, no, never mind. We're ending the movie now. <laughs> We're on this carousel that came out of nowhere. Yeah. Well, he gives Diane her money and she leaves, and he gives everyone else their money, and he's like, all right, the rest of this nine million is ours, baby. We did it. And he, Joe is super pissed off, and he pulls his gun on his dad. And he's like, well, Joe, those are blanks in those guns. And he's like, are they? Are they in blanks, Dad? And he shoots in his dad, and his dad drops the briefcase, and the money goes everywhere. And you're right. He turns the power on, and it's like a big carousel, like going around, merry-go-round, going around and around. Yeah. I don't understand. So his he leaves. He walks out of the warehouse. His dad is still going around on the merry-go-round trying to pick up all the money. And Beyond has a narration line, and he was like, all I took from these people were images, and those were worth more than any con, because they keep me honest. The end. Like, Michael, you weren't supposed to rate, you weren't supposed to say the end at the end there. It <laughs> says the end in the script. <laughs> you know, you're not supposed to say that, Michael. <laughs> Who wrote the end on the cue card? God damn it's it. It's Anchorman. He will say what's on the cue card. <laughs> so, that was it. That was, that was the movie, and... Did you like it? No. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it was so poorly made. No, it was awful. But it was fun to watch. Fun, definitely a fun one to watch and talk about for sure. And I thought once they killed Nicolas Cage, it kind of got a little boring. It did. Yeah, he's the best part of the movie and he's not in it very much. So once he's gone, you're like, oh, shit. I mean, he was awful, but it was like entertaining. He's doing something. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. That That's wild. So, the teased shout-outs we've got. Yeah. Well, shout-out. Um, so, Short Circuit is what we did last time, which was like a month ago. I think. <laughs> At this point. Um, so, if you haven't listened to that, make sure you listen. And if you are a fan of Short Circuit, uh, Johnny Five Replica commented, Classic. He's keeping it cool, just yeah. with one word. Now, do you want to give some background on this guy? Yeah, so I looked up Johnny Five Replica basically is a guy that built a Johnny Five, a real Johnny Five. Yeah, it's like to scale and everything. It is insane. I definitely recommend that you go check out the site and look at this thing because it is super cool. I think it looks like he may even rent it out to people. I think yeah. something that you said. It was on his Instagram, yeah. And, and there's a really cool thing where he was at a convention and he met Steve Gutenberg and was like showing it to him and stuff. Yeah, exactly. There's a ton of videos of that. Uh, I thought it was really cool. I thought it was well done. P- 
appreciate the shout out from this guy. Hopefully he listens to us. I doubt it, but it's, it would be really cool. Um, but yeah. And if you would like a shout out, just comment on any post at all. Yeah, for sure. And we'll talk about it. All right. Well, that wraps it up for Deadfall. Now, we are in October, so we will be doing a legitimately scary movie next week that Shelly picked out. We are doing Puppet Master. Yeah. Yeah. This one you've seen before in uh, your childhood? Oh, yeah. Okay. One of those classics. And I think this will be out in November, though. It's okay. You know, we're just going to keep Halloween going. Yeah. <laughs> we're We're catching up. Like we said, we had plans for Halloween and... You know, life kicks you in the nuts. Yeah, and we love horror movies, so we have to do at least one. Yeah, for sure. And I will talk about watching the movie The Puppet Master, The Littlest Reich. Uh, I watched that because it's written by S. Craig Zoller, who's a director. I've liked his movies before, and I was like, he wrote this? And Mm -hmm. the reviews were pretty good, but it is pretty fucking wild. All right. So wait to talk about it. Yeah, until November, (laughs) (laughs) when we start October, we will see you then. Bye-bye.